Welcome to the Delano Newsmakers podcast, bringing context to the stories that matter in Luxembourg. I'm Jess Baldry, and today we take a peek at patient rights in Luxembourg, a country which, despite having the second highest healthcare per capita spending in the EU, still has room for improvement. When I started working at the patients' rights uh, organization, the Patientenvertretung, an old lady contacted us and uh, she told me, I got this bill for around uh, 26,000 euros from my dentist and uh, to redo some teeth and uh, what should I do? And I asked her, um, well, did you get a quote beforehand? And she told me, uh, yes, I got a quote. And I asked her, well, did you sign the quote before? And she told me again, yes, I signed the quote. And uh, unfortunately, nothing could be done in that case. And I told her, well, you should always get uh, the first thing to do when you go to the dentist. And if he proposes something uh, such so expensive, you should go and ask for a second opinion and a second quote from someone else. And you might find that there are very, very big uh, differences in price. That was Georges Cleese, press officer for Patient Vertriedung, a not-for-profit helping to empower patients in Luxembourg. Georges, even before the pandemic, Patient Vertriedung was very busy. I think one of the biggest issues that you were facing was fees and not reimbursed by the CNS. Now, I don't think anyone would argue that we can make a small contribution towards having a functioning healthcare system, but in some instances, these fees were excessive and maybe even ethically questionable. So can you tell us a bit more about this? Uh, yes, if you have a look at uh, your bills from the doctor, you might find a lot of codes. And uh, one of these codes that uh, you will sometimes find is the CP. And uh, they range from uh, 1 to 8. Uh, 1 to 7 uh, can only be asked by doctors and the CP8 is uh, extra for dentists. The 1 to 7 are usually due in relation with your appointment. So, for example, if you call up the doctor and you tell him, uh, I only have time on Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock, and the doctor frees up that time, then he can ask um, an extra fee uh, under the CP1. Um, if you uh, don't go to the appointment, he can, for example, ask the CP3 uh, for reimbursement for that appointment. The problem is now um, doctors uh, put these CPs on the bill uh, even without justification because there's a, there's actually a, a draft that was passed, a uh, convention that was passed between the CNS and the uh, AMMD, that's the Doctors' Association, uh, where there were clear rules when you can ask this uh, extra fee and, uh, well, it's uh, they say it's with tucked uh, in mesure, so it means everybody can uh, choose. Um, every doctor can choose himself the amount. Problem is, we we see now very high amounts. Even uh, this morning, I got called up and uh, someone asked me. My doctor uh, put on the bill a, a CP uh, with uh, Val. CP Val, does, does that exist? And I told him, no, that does not exist. And uh, he said, that's what I thought. When I asked him uh, what what it meant, he told me um, Val stands for valorization. And it's uh, the valorization of my services to you. So 
I was very surprised because uh, shouldn't the doctor for the price you pay already do a good job? Why do he need, does he need to put an extra price on top of what you owe him anyways, which is actually fixed uh, between the CNS and the doctor? So it, it's kind of illegal and uh, we think it in, in stores a very unhealthy system. If all the doctors start putting up uh, an amount that they think they deserve extra for their work, then why do we have a system which is in place? It will it will rip apart. Well, some people might argue then, okay, you don't like the prices here. Well, you can shop around in the EU for, for a cheaper procedure or, or treatment like the dental treatment. And whilst that's true, I mean, it's probably not really a solution for everybody. Um, it's most definitely not a solution for everybody. The, well, the dental problem is uh, also um, a problem with the updating of the nomenclature, the nomenclature which is uh, the prices that are reimbursed or paid per act. So usually uh, you will have... Uh, the CNS will go and uh, have a meeting with the doctors and they will say, okay, uh, if you do this treatment, that will be reimbursed by 80%, this will be reimbursed 60%, and uh, they put a price tag on it and they fix this price. You can't, if the CNS and the doctors fix a price, every doctor can only charge that price. With the dentist, the problem is that they, since 40 years, don't want to update their catalogue. So what happens is that uh, the only treatments that are reimbursed are treatments that were uh, good 40 years ago. And uh, they, of course, they don't want to update this because this means that they can ask the price they want to ask. And uh, there you can have differences of uh, thousands of euros. So some doctors might ask 500 euro for one treatment and the next one might ask 2,000. So especially with, with such treatments, we advise everybody to get a second opinion. And if they think it's too, too expensive, um, a second quote from another doctor. Now, what if you do get treatment abroad? Let's say you get that quote for 25,000 euros <laughs> for dental treatment and you think, no way. And you get a quote for somewhere else in the EU. What would happen then? And, and is that something you would recommend? We don't really recommend it, but uh, we can understand that people go abroad to do such to do a treatment because uh, the prices are way too high. Um, one of the main problems is that if you go abroad and there's a problem, you will be back in Luxembourg and you will still need to seek treatment here. So um, I, I think people can do it, but uh, there's always the risk of the aftercare and uh, they need to be aware of that. So some listeners may be aware that Luxembourg is introducing the third-party payment system in 2023. Now, George, what issues is this going to solve? Well, um, we have been asking for the system uh, since some time because um, even if Luxembourg is a rich country, a lot of people still do have problems, uh, money problems. Um, for example... Uh, I think in 2015 or 16, uh, around 200,000 checks were paid out by the CNS, which uh, were, uh, where you can go to the CNS to get re reimbursed immediately. And they were cashed in the same day. So that means that uh, 200,000 times someone went to the doctor and needed the cash back faster than uh, than they would uh, treat the, the demand in the CNS. Um, so we think that the uh, third-party payment uh, will benefit people who are 
poor or who don't have that much money. Um, that's that's the first thing because they they only need to pay their own participation and not to advance the the whole amount. Uh, the second thing is it will speed up the the process because now at the moment I think uh, you need to wait uh, six to eight weeks uh, to get your bills processed because of the pandemic. They have a lot of people who are in quarantine or who are sick, so um, that's a, a very long time. Um, the third advantage is uh, because you don't need to pay immediately in the emergency wards. A lot of people went to the emergency wards with uh, small problems because they couldn't afford to go to a doctor where you needed to pay immediately. So they knew, okay, if I go to the emergency ward, I don't need to pay this bill right away. I can pay maybe when I get my next paycheck. Or And uh, I think that will help also to, to take away uh, a little stress on the emergency wards. We mainly see positive things in the third-party payment. The doctors were strongly against it uh, because they say if you don't pay high bills, you might think, oh, everything is for free and you might go to the doctor every day. But in most systems where we have the third-party payment installed on most countries who have it, you don't see a phenomenon like this because mostly people who will go to the doctor all the time anyway, they know I will get reimbursed and go anyway. Which you can then clearly see is the price difference if a doctor has an extra price tag uh, for the CP, you can see it immediately because it will there will be price difference which should not exist actually. Because before, when you got your bill, you paid it and you sent it into the CNS and then the CNS said, oh, but this, we don't give you money back. And then you were sitting at home with, with the paper from the CNS and you were like, why did, does the CNS not give me this money back? And you couldn't understand like why would happen. But now you can be at the doctor's office and, and you can ask immediately why do I have to pay five years more to you than last month with the other doctor and then he needs to explain why he is charging you extra for the same service. Now let's talk digitalization. The eSante platform was fully rolled out in 2020. Can you tell us how has this benefited patients and their rights? The shared uh, medical file is uh, was rolled out uh, last year. Um, now everybody got one open, which was one of the points we uh, didn't like about the system. We said that it should be an opt-in system where people actively go and say, I want this uh, to be opened. Uh, the government went with the opt-out system. So you got a letter home with the code and you could then uh, log in. And uh, at the beginning, it was very hard to find where you could uh, unsubscribe, so to say, where you could just say, I don't want it, uh, I want to close it. Uh, you had to go on their website and it was uh, the formula was only available in French on their French version website. We had longer discussions with the uh, eSante about this. They changed some procedures where now when you log on for the first time, you will get asked, do you even want this DSP? And you can close it right away. Um, if you choose to have it, you can also still close it down at a later point. But for the moment, we see a lot of advantages with it. So uh, we see, for example, 
your patient files will all be in there. So if you go to the hospital and you have a radio done or you have a, a blood sample taken, the results will be in this shared file. So when you go the day after to your doctor, he can see, okay, this was already done or he can have access to the radio and to all the exams you did. It will also make it easier to change doctors because now often when you go and see a doctor and you say okay i want my patient's file which is your right because it's your file he might say oh but uh, i need some time to get it to you and uh, we have we have many people calling us up and telling us i need this operation done but my doctor doesn't want to give out the file uh, in a timely manner he's uh, holding back and uh, but the hospital needs it because otherwise they uh, need to redo all these uh, tests and uh, but I have done them some weeks ago and what can I do and, and these problems will go away if everything is stuck online at the place where you have the control as well to log on and see if what's there then so for yourself it's also the advantage you will have one central place where you have all your medical information you will have your blood uh, type in it you can register if you're an organ donor you can register all your allergies which in case of an emergency there's a, a function called the glass breaking function uh, where in the emergency ward they will have access to for example your blood type your allergies uh, the medication you take where they can really check this fast because you, if you're unconscious or you have a, an accident and you can't talk or for whatever reason you're not able to communicate with them, they will still have this vital information. There's still some fears uh, with all the digitalization process anyway that what we call the doorkeeper system will come in place so in some countries you already have this where uh, they now with uh, all the data they have they can say okay everybody over let's say 70 who gets uh, this disease he will not be treated anymore with uh, this medication because it's too expensive they will only get this medication. That is one of the fears uh, we have. One of the other demands we have uh, made is that all the algorithms that come into place uh, afterwards must be public. Because that's one of the, the main problems of digitalization. Even if it's called uh, artificial intelligence sometimes, it's uh, still only doing what you tell it to do it because like uh, two weeks ago I read about a program that uh, Amazon did for hiring new people and uh, after after some time they realized that actually it only hired men. Why did it do this? Because it checked the records for the last 10 years and in the last 10 years the main hirees were men so it just continued doing what was already done. It didn't even take into account that the women were as qualified as the men but because it wanted to keep the same pattern it sorted out all of the women and that's one of the problems of uh, algorithms if they are not public and if you cannot see what they are really doing uh, they can do a very bad job and that's why we ask that all the algorithms be public so you can uh, follow and see why a decision is taken and uh, if if you see that the algorithm doesn't work then it needs to be changed 
Let's talk about the pandemic now, which I believe has created new challenges. Um, when we spoke a few weeks ago, you described the early days as very wild west in terms of what patients were being charged for. So can you give us an overview of the issue and how this has been resolved? Well, at the beginning, it was uh, quite unclear uh, what what was happening anyway, but then it was said, okay, now we need to go into more, uh, just call the doctor and uh, make a teleconsultation from another place. What happened was that there were no clear rules how to do it, how what to charge. Uh, we had people um, calling us and they said, I called up my doctor to ask uh, for an appointment and he charged me a, a visit. Uh, I called my doctor and to ask him if my uh, lab results were already in and he told me no and he still charged me 40-something euros for it. Is this right? There we, we had also uh, contact with the CNS and they clarified then uh, in which case you could uh, charge and in which case you couldn't charge. They, they clearly said at one point they cannot charge extra for uh, their um, protection gear they would uh, put on because even at the beginning uh, a lot of that was given to them by the ministry so uh, they said they cannot then charge the patient for something they get for free telephone uh, consultations it needs to be a certain amount of time and uh, that was all cleared up uh, afterwards there's still some problems like for example um, which in a very gray area um, we have people calling us up and they said well um, we had a covid contact case and we called a gp to get a prescription to uh, to do the test and we got it for the whole family and he charged us a doctor's visit for every family member and they were a family of six and they said this is not really right because I mean we talked to him for two minutes on the phone and he charges six visits um, they can kind of do it unfortunately and uh, but but it's a very gray area and uh, I think that's also one of the points that needs to be fixed uh, in the future. So finally the vaccine I mean I think we could probably make an entire podcast about <laughs> the vaccine strategy in Luxembourg and in recent weeks there has been some movement the waiting list for the AstraZeneca vaccine mm. but you still don't really get a choice and of course there's the issue of the short supply of vaccines so how could the, the choice of vaccination be better handled, do you think? I think the, the first problem uh, came from the, that the ministry said uh, if you have questions about a vaccine, go and see your GP. So a lot of people went to see their GP and their GP told them, listen, you have this and this disease, maybe you shouldn't get this vaccine. Then people went to the vaccination center and uh, there was another doctor there and he was like... Um, I don't care what your GP said, I'm checking, you don't have any allergies and you will get the vaccine we have on site. I think that was the first uh, communication problem. It should have been made clear from the beginning that the final decision is taken by the doctor in the vaccination center uh, because then the already expectations of the people wouldn't be as high. I think well, at the beginning of the rollout and two months ago we didn't have uh, no vaccine doses. Now we are slowly getting to a point, I think we are now at uh, 35%. Uh, already vaccine with the first dose and uh, I think until they said until July or August everybody 
above 18 years will at least get one invitation to get the first shot. So the the situation will be very different uh, starting, I think, in September in a, in a situation where we have such a shortage. I'm, I'm not sure if you can give the choice. We, of course, we would love that everybody has the choice, but we would have wanted that they still take more into account your personal history because your GP knows you best. He knows uh, which uh, illnesses you had and which of the vaccines is the least dangerous for you. So uh, we would have wanted that, but I think with the situation of shortage, Maybe it was not possible all the time, but it would have, of course, been the best situation. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. In relation to claims about certain practices in the health sector, Delano contacted the Association for Doctors and Dentists in Luxembourg, the AMMD, but did not receive a reply. We would like to point out that the claims apply only to a minority of doctors and dentists practicing in Luxembourg. Thanks for listening. You can listen to all our podcasts on Delano.lu and on all podcast platforms. And subscribe to the Delano newsletter for all the latest Luxembourg news in English. Sign up on Delano.lu.